We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Twenty minutes a day. 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. What's going on, Packer fans? Welcome back to another episode of the Pack a Day Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. Thanks so much for being here today. We are on day three of our expert series. I'm joined by the one and only Peter Bukowski. You can follow him on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. Of course, you can find his amazing sub stack over at The Leap, and you can find him on, I guess, if you want, Locked on Packers as well. Pete, how the heck are you doing? I'm, I'm great. I'm I'm. I feel like I've I've exhausted the hypotheticals, and I'm really just excited to see this team on the field now. It's it's really an exciting time to be following this team, to be covering this team, as I'm sure you you know. That's awesome. That actually leads into two of my questions pretty perfectly. So let me just start there. Super simple, super easy. Number one on the list is just what are you most looking forward to as training camp kicks off? And you can't use Jordan Love here. Obviously, everyone is excited to see what's going to happen with Jordan Love. But outside of that, what is the one thing as training camp's about to kick off that you're just dying to see, dying to hear, et cetera? So I'm glad you said don't pick Jordan Love, but I actually was not going to pick Jordan Love. Awesome. Not, not in the way that maybe you think. I just want to see the approach here offensively. How different does it look? This has been something that we've been talking about on my show. And I I said the other day that I feel like I might've overbought into this idea that we're going to see some sort of like Jimmy Garoppolo-esque Kyle Shanahan approach, or at least a shift more in that direction. I've come to the conclusion that we're probably not going to see that, that there's actually going to be a lot more gun um, than, than was originally thought probably than I originally said. And so I'm just excited to see how they use all of these pieces. Um, the, the the play caller series that Jordan Rodriguez did got me really, really excited about um, some of the things that that other teams were doing and and the the Packers borrowing from that. There's a great anecdote in there. I don't know if you, you heard this one, but Matt LaFleur talking about three teams that he really likes to borrow from or that he's been watching cut-ups of this offseason. 
The 49ers, like, duh. Kyle Shanahan's the best play caller and play designer in the league. Mike, Mike McDaniel, okay, his former colleague in right. Miami. But that's interesting because they live in the gun with Tua mostly. And the third team was the Chiefs, which is not a Shanahan tree coach. Andy Reid is a West Coast coach, but not a Shanahan coach. And so that is like, okay, they've got package plays. They run trick plays. They do all kinds of interesting things. And they mostly live in the gun. So I'm just, I'm so excited to see the way this, this team approaches trying to find ways to manufacture offense this season. It does seem like Matt LaFleur wants to be a fast adopter of things that work well across the league, whether it is part of his system or part of something else. I think he has you know eyes and ears on college football and obviously the, the three teams that you just mentioned. I'm sure a lot of the other teams throughout the league as well. Uh, but you can see there's little mixtures of things that he does. And I think it's been you know kind of noted that his offense is a little bit shanty, a lot of McVay, and then kind of some other stuff mixed in. Obviously, it was a lot of Rodgers McCarthy stuff because of the, you know, past quarterback. I think that's what I'm sort of most interested to see is how that changes, you know, just with Aaron gone and, and just kind of how that all looks together. Yeah, no, no question. And what I was actually shocked to find out recently, and I had a listener point this out, that of the Shanahan McVay Lafleur groups, the Packers used 12 personnel last year, way more than those other guys, despite wow. the fact that they don't they didn't have great tight ends. Not that not that you know LA did either, but San Francisco certainly does with George Kittle. Now Kyle Yuschek is a hybrid player, so he counts technically in 21 personnel. But that was fascinating to me. And then you go, well, look what they did in the draft. Luke Musgrave, Tucker Kraft, they used two top hundred picks on tight ends. Of course, they want to live in this two tight end world. And then you have this this um nugget in that play caller series that I mentioned that Sean McVay and Matt LaFleur, when they went to LA. They wanted to live in 12. That was their goal. Sean McVay was a tight ends coach and they thought they were going to live in 12. They didn't because they didn't have the guys, but what they did have was Robert Woods and Cooper cup guys who can play in the slot and play outside and block like tight ends. So Kyle Shanahan was like, they're calling all of my 12 and 21 personnel calls, but they're in 11. They got three wide receivers on the field, but they're doing things that you would normally do with tight ends. And I think Matt LaFleur borrowed from some of that. I mean, you watch out what Alan Lazard does. Yeah. They used him all over the formation. He is a tight end in a lot of ways in this offense. So then, well, is, is that Luke Musgrave now? Is that going to be Tucker Craft? Are you going to put Christian Watson in the slot? Is, is Jaden Reed going to be used like Randall Cobb? Or is he going to be used as, as a, you know, over the top sort of speed slot type? I, there's just so many possibilities here. I'm, I'm like giddy to, uh, thinking about it. I think it's like the poo-poo platter, right? I think it's a little bit of all of the above, and I think he's going to throw everything out there. And that's like the, the tight end stuff is so interesting because you had Mercedes Lewis, who is like just the best blocker ever, but gave you nothing as a threat, you know, uh, on the other side as, as a receiving tight end. Um, and Did then, you know Mari Rogers had more targets last year than Mercedes Lewis? That's probably sounds about right. I don't even, I don't even know that I can be that mad about that as, as all things considered. Um, and, but then you also had Alan Lazard who was like, like you mentioned, like almost a hybrid pseudo tight end at times for them. And, you know, now you lose both of those guys as blockers, but you gain Luke Musgrave, you know, as a receiving threat, you gain Tucker craft as a receiving threat. Like it, it's just going to be really fun to see how he utilizes all those players. I, I can't wait to see what, what they do. And I mean, you, you got to see it in person, I mean, you tell me, Luke Musgrave in person, as good as, as it looked on video. I mean, he, by all accounts, the speed, even his teammates are just like, this guy does not move like anyone we see. It's, it's different. It's immediately different. And I'm like trying to temper myself as best as possible because I'm like, Andy, it's a rookie tight end. There were no pads. Like I, but he, he like, 
it do it is so different. And like there's been a Jermichael Finley sized hole in this roster since Jermichael Finley got hurt. Mm-hmm. And he is the best possibility of being that size, speed, athleticism, body control, hands. Like it's all there. How it gets put together, we'll see. But like even if he is a big wide receiver to start off with, um, there's many different utilizations for him and that specific role as he sort of learns the blocking stuff and all the ins and outs of this offense. I have a feeling Matt LaFleur is doodling like hell in his notebook of different ways to figure out how to use that guy. Um, and here's the other thing I'll say really quick too. Green Bay is not just like hands out starting spots in OTAs and mini camps for rookies. Right. I spent a huge part of OTAs and mini camps down with the number twos and threes as the number ones worked on this side. It's just because you, a lot of times you have to earn Luke Musgrave was tight end one from day one and mm-hmm. had not let that go. And that is, you know, should be extremely telling for what I expect out of him moving forward. Even Quay Walker was, was, and we can move on, but even Quay Walker in the spring was playing behind Chris Barnes. Yeah. And then yep. training camp opens and he's running with the ones, but like he was a first round pick. He was the, the, the higher of the two first round picks and he wasn't running with the ones behind an undrafted free agent. So I, I think to your point, like Luke Musgrave being that guy right away really speaks to, and they, and they didn't go get a veteran. No. They didn't resign Mercedes Lewis. They're like, no, no, you're our guy. So that's, that's really exciting too. Agreed. All right. Number two, the million dollar question. What are your expectations for Jordan Love and the Packers as we sit here right now, pre-training camp? What are what are you expecting this year? Are you talking about his play in particular? Or are you talking about the offense? Like what? Like you hone can in go on in this any point. direction that you'd like with it, but just like primarily expectations for Jordan Love, but sort of just the Packers and the offense as a whole as well. So here's where I am on this. I think at this point, and we I had this discussion last year about the defense. I didn't know if the defense was going to be good or bad, but I knew what the talent was and I knew where the expectations should be set. Like, I, I think it was you who said the other day, like we, we use the word should too much, I think in a lot of this stuff. And I have actually tried to eliminate it from my vocabulary altogether. But when we're talking about setting expectations, where, where do we expect based on talent the performance to be? And I said last year, going into the year, if the Packers don't perform like a top 10 defense, it will be a disappointment. Guess what? Spoiler alert, it was a disappointment because we know what the talent is. And so I feel like the combination of what you have with the offensive line, what you have with the running game, I I believe in Matt LaFleur. I have been a very early adopter of Matt LaFleur, not quite as much as Michelle Bruton, who was like out here in these streets back in 2018, like banging the drum for Matt LaFleur. I was kind of like, are we sure he's one year of an offensive coordinator in an offense that wasn't that good? Right. But starting in 2019, I was like, no, this guy is a really good young coach. And I was an early Jordan Love adopter pre-draft. I, I thought he was a first-round talent. I have always believed in the work ethic. And, and all the people that I've talked to around him say he's a worker. We've seen a lot of the progress that he's made. So I think the expectations are that he is a, a an above-replacement level quarterback, which is just like if we're going to use the – I think the Kirk Cousins line has now moved up. I think he's you know he's in that – like between the eighth and 14th best quarterback in the league. Yep. It used to be the Kirk Cousins line. Let's call it the Derek Carr line now. I think that's probably fair. Like the six, between the 16th and the 18th best quarterback. I think my expectation is that he sort of plays in that range. There's a huge group in the middle of the league. There's like eight really good quarterbacks and then like 16 guys. Yeah, I think he's going to be in that middle. Now, is he closer to 12 than 22? We'll see. But I think he's going to be in that sort of middle where you go, 
okay, I'm, I'm okay with this guy as my starting quarterback. Can he get to that next level? That's the question that we, we want to see answered. But my expectations are that he, he has games where you go, whoa, this guy's like really good. And I think there are going to be some clunkers. Like there are going to be some, you know, 12 for 28s and he has 148 yards and, and two picks. And you just go, yeah, well, okay, he's a young quarterback. But I think there are also going to be some games where he goes, you know, 22 of 30 for 325 and three touchdowns and he runs in a score. And you go, okay, there's real, there's something really, really interesting here. How many of those games? I don't know. Are they going to be winning those games? I don't know. But my expectation is that he is, he's a, a fine to solid quarterback, at least by midseason. We'll see how it starts and may get, you know, may get a little rocky. But my expectation is that he is a, a serviceable starter this year. Yeah, I'm with you there. And I think even if he is like, let's say he ends the season ranked 23rd, whatever metric quarterback rating, QBR, PFF, whatever you want to go by, let's say he's 23rd, <laughs> but like the last five or six games, he's playing at like that 14th, you know, level somewhere right. around there. Like that, I think is something that I could, you know, see ha a happening and B would fall well within my expectations of like, all right, the season on the whole, you know, was kind of middling, maybe a little bit less, but like you saw those flashes towards the end and he continued to get better throughout the course of the year. Yeah. And, and you want to see the whole toolbox, right? I mean, you want to, you want to see the talent. And that was the big, I think, criticism early on was, well, you're, you don't see those flash plays. You don't see the high level throws. And part of that was because we didn't see him at all, right? 2020, he's got the COVID year. And then 2021, we finally we finally get to see him on the field. I, I liked what Matt LaFleur said after the game when he said, look, he didn't give in. He is not someone who is going to bow to the pressure of the moment, A, and B, the pressure that is in his face when Royce Newman gets beat cold by a backup <laughs> defensive tackle. Like, it, it is, I, I almost felt like, and I, I was like, oh my God, am I am I turning into a Bears fan? Like as I was watching some of these Jordan Love cutups, like, okay, but the offensive line is getting demolished here. Like, what is Jordan Love supposed to do? And that was the case in that Detroit game at the end of 2021, too. Yeah. There were a couple plays, like he had a throw to Equinemius St. Brown in the with I know exactly. And it's a touchdown if yep. he has a half more second to be able to make the throw. But guess what? Royce Newman gets beat cold. And he's got a guy in his lap before he has time to set up and make this. Actually, now that I'm thinking about it, it might've been Yash Nyman who, who lost that rep. But either way, he had a guy in his lap and was not able to make the throw. The, the interception that he threw in the, at the end, his arm gets hit because a guy, an offensive lineman gets beat at the snap. And so you're like, okay, what am I, like, how am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to evaluate that? That makes it really difficult. But that, the other part of this, Andy, is... Okay, I think people are going to watch that Steve Spagnolo Kansas City tape and say, well, then our plan is just going to be to blitz the daylights out of this guy and make this offensive line hold up. Is he going to be able to set protections well enough? Is the offensive line going to hold up well enough? And is he going to, are they going to have the right game plan? Because Matt LaFleur said after that game, we didn't adjust well enough. Right. Okay, well, prove you can. And I think you're going to see some teams do that. Luckily for the Packers in week one, they play a team that A, has no pass rush and B, never blitzes. So it's now, unless they just turn into like, you know, uh, Wink Martindale overnight, I, I don't think it's going to be in week one, but I think there will be some teams that say, we can get after this guy a little bit. If we send some of these zero blitzes, how is he going to, how is he going to respond? And that's going to be, that's going to be a big question, both for the coach and the quarterback. Yeah, I totally agree. I think there's going to be the kitchen sink thrown at him in a variety of ways, not just, you know, eight man blitzes and crazy stuff like that, but like 
they're going to zone blitz. They're going to man blitz. They're going to drop eight. They're going to blitz seven. Like they're just going to throw everything at him and see what he responds well to and what he doesn't. And the stuff that he doesn't, they're going to keep running at him over and over until they find a way to fix it. So not only on Jordan, but as you mentioned on Matt LaFleur and that coaching staff, Tom Clements, Adam Senevich, et cetera, to make sure that they have checks and answers to that, you know, pre-snap and post-snap so that they can have, um, you know, some releases and easy uh, release valves for him so that it's not all on Jordan's shoulders as well. There is. Oh, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say there, I I went back and watched some of the Eagles uh, snaps the other day. And I think that is the game where if you're, if you're worried about him responding to the way defenses are playing him, there's some really encouraging tape against Philly because they called the same play like five times and Philly adjusted to each of the little concepts that they were running. And every time it was like, okay, if you're going to do this, I'm going to throw it here. If you're going to do this, I'm going to throw it here. And he had all the answers and you saw him like the very dusty evilly loves to talk about the very first Jordan love rep against Philly. They, they ran the concept that he threw the cover two hole shot against with Aaron Jones, but he goes backside on the running back swing on that play. And he looked at two different guys, bing, bing. All right, now I'm going to check it down. Well, on the play that he threw that, that incredible throw to Aaron Jones, he had thrown the out earlier in the, in the series, Darius Slay sits on the out. And so he says, okay, if you're going to sit on the out, I'm going to throw this go ball, even though the safety is hauling ass to the sidelines (laughs) to get there. And he puts the ball where he is the only place he can do it. The throws on time in rhythm, and it's a perfect throw, you're going, okay, he's starting to have the answers to the test here. If you can change the look and change the way you cover these different plays, and he still knows, all right, if you do this, I do this, that's that's the next level of quarterbacking. It's not just button pushing. It's, okay, once you change the picture, can you make those plays? And if you're going to make the case for Jordan Love, I think that's the game, not just because of the stats. Like, okay, Christian Watson took a – you know, an 18 yard throw for 60 makes the stats look nicer. It's those kinds of processing moments that make me go, there's really something here. And I think it's why Matt LaFleur, Brian Gutekunst, every Tom Clements says he just needs to play. And it's not like he has the answers to the test now. Now he just needs to go out and actually perform. And that's what's so exciting about this year. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You've had the entire off season to think about everything Packers. You do this obviously, you know, basically every single day, yeah. either writing or, or podcasting about it. What is something that has just stuck with you this entire off season that is either giving you optimism or pessimism as we head into the regular season? You can go in any direction that you want, but something that is just sticking with you that is giving you either that that heartburn feeling of like, oh, this this isn't going to go well, or that the like goosebump feeling where it's like, I think this is going to be a lot better than people expect. Well. Okay, so I think because I made the case that the offense is going to be pretty solid, I'm, I'm not going to go in that direction. Although I do think the offense is going to be better than people realize. I, uh, there's there's two things really, and I'll do one good and one bad, and I'll I'll be relatively quick. I'm so excited about Christian Watson this year. I I just think he has star potential, and I had people again. This goes back to pre-draft. I I said okay, there are four guys in that 2022 class that I think can be true backside X receivers, number one type players. He was one of them. And I got a lot of pushback on Twitter about it. Um, and I was like, no, there's, there's like a top one percentile outcome where he's AJ Green. And I, I still think that's in play. And I'm not going to go to Randy Moss. Let's not talk about that. But like th the ability is incredible. And, and Paul Radel wrote about this the other day. Pro Football Focus graded him in different parts of the field. And he's like 80 or better everywhere. Yeah. Like the fact that he can win in all parts of the field says to me, this guy profiles as someone who can be a true number one receiver. I'm really excited for that. The flip side of the excitement spectrum. And I talked about this earlier, or last week on Locked on Packers. Um, the Packers cannot stop giving up explosive runs. It's not that they give up five, six yards a carry. It's that they're giving up these chunk runs. And so if you're going to live in this too high world and not give up explosive passes, which the Packers, by the way, despite really bad safety play last year, still did not give up explosive passes top five each of the last two years in explosive play rate. They do a really good job, not getting beat over the top, but they do a really bad job running the alley and they do a really bad job tackling in, in that 10 yard box and they're getting gashed. And so okay, it, it's okay to me to say, we're going to give up a little bit in the run game in terms of numbers to make sure we don't get beat over the top passing, but then you have to tackle and you have to play assignment sound defending from depth with your safeties. And the Packers just haven't done that. I don't see any reason to believe they will start doing that. And so if they don't, it doesn't matter if you have one of the best cornerback duos in the league, which I think they do. If you're getting, if you're getting up 40 yard runs, like they didn't lose to the 49ers because, you know, Raheem Mostert's getting six yards every carry. They lost to the 49ers because Raheem Mostert was getting 20. Yeah. He was getting 40. And you're just like, okay, you can't live like this as a defense. In the Matt LaFleur era, the Packers are last in EPA per rush allowed. That's Mike Patton. That's Joe Barry. And it's because they get gashed. If they could just chill out on, on the big runs, they'd actually be fine. Like they're, they, they have it in them, but Darnell Savage has taken a step back. Quay Walker took a, it took him a little while to get the processing thing down. I think we saw some flashes in the middle and toward the end of last year there. 
Devondre Campbell took a, I would say a half step back, but, but maybe a full step back. You hope that they can create some more negative plays, but I made this joke on my show. Like it doesn't matter if you get a stop on first down, if it's second and 12 and they run a draw for 15, which Andy, how many times did that happen last year? It seemed like it happened twice a game. Yeah. And you're just like, are you kidding? It happened in the Lions game. That was like the backbreaking play in the Lions game. It was second and 20. And and DeAndre Swift, I think it was, had like a 25-yard gain. And it's just like, what, what, what are they doing? Why can't they just get this figured out? And they can't. And so I don't, I don't know. Are they going to do it? I don't know. I probably not. Yeah, I think the the safety play for those big explosive runs is so incredibly important. And this probably profiles as, if not the worst safety group in the league certainly mm -hmm. one of them. So that's, I think, going to be an issue. It's funny. I've recorded this series in advance. You're the third one that is going to air, but I've interviewed all five people already. I think every single one has brought up run defense in some capacity as like a major cause for concern. Five yards per carry allowed a season to go. On the flip side, going over your positive really quick, Christian Watson last year was on the field for only 282 passing snaps and did what he did as a rookie. Just yeah. as a comparison, Justin Jefferson had 777 plays where he was on the field on pure passing snaps. So like the difference there is massive. And just think of like what he did as a rookie in only 282 passing snaps, like extrapolate that out to if he actually gets a full complement of obviously, you know, plays throughout the season because he's going to be a top wide receiver on this roster as long as he stays healthy. And then, you know, actually is on the field for the majority of those passing plays. Like the, there is a huge, huge opportunity for an exponential growth in year two from Christian Watson. I, I just did the math, 282 snaps, pass plays. He had 66 targets. So that's a target once every four pass plays. Yeah. That, I mean, if you and probably if, deserved, and if you have 35 plus pass plays, we're talking about seven, eight targets a game. He's, he's going to produce man. Like that's quick math. What is that? 115 targets over the course of the season. Don't check my math. Don't check my math. Please don't. It's, it's a lot. It's over a hundred for sure. And so it, it's really exciting. It is. I, I can't wait for Watson in year two. All right. We sort you brought up this a little bit earlier. Uh, I think uh, Matt LaFleur, a little bit of a liar when he says that his offense isn't going to change sans Aaron Rodgers. Uh, <laughs> I definitely expect to see quite a bit of a difference with no Aaron on the roster. What I know you, you brought up a little bit this uh, earlier, but what is your ultimate expectation of what this offense looks like in the post Aaron Rodgers era with Matt LaFleur's play caller and head coach? Yeah. I wish you weren't a liar. Um, <laughs> Uh, it I, So my expectation is they are going to try and cater to the things that Jordan Love does well. And that was one of my big takeaways from play callers, that series that, that Matt LaFleur, he has, he has chosen compromise a lot more than those other Shanahan tree guys have. Um, and maybe that's, maybe that's being uncharitable to those guys, but he's the only one that's had to do it with a star quarterback. And so how much does he pull back? What I think is really interesting now, if you're Jordan Love is, you get the benefit of all the all of the Shanahan stuff, all of the the what we would I think consider the Lafleur stuff, right? Yeah. But then he also gets all the stuff that Rodgers and Hackett brought to this offense and incorporated into it. All of the RPO stuff that you know worked in a lot of ways for the Packers. So he gets to blend both of these offenses, and now Matt Lafleur has this even bigger menu. I, I think it's a credit to Matt Lafleur saying. Yeah well, let's do this, this stuff. I mean, I, he had a great line of like, why would I, this was early on in their, in their relationship. Like, why would I not want to lean into a guy who has a, you know, a PhD in this offense? Why would I ask him to do something totally different? So 
the the question is how much how much can you change it because Jordan Love has been three years in this offense in the Aaron Rodgers yeah offense, but at the same time, what did Matt Lafleur say in the spring that they were actually ahead of their install rate this year than the year before? That's interesting to me, which says they're probably not introducing a ton of new concepts. Um, although I think week to week they'll be adaptive in those kinds of things, but I, I think I think it's going to look structurally pretty similar. I think personnel usage will be different. Yeah. I think the the way that they attack is going to be different. I think middle of the field is going to be so different. Um, I tweeted out the snap about EPA targets to the middle of the field. Oh, Aaron Rodgers was twenty second in EPA per attempt in in targeting the middle of the field. Like Ryan Tannehill last year was ninth throwing to you and me at, at receiver and being like, you know, blocked. His left tackle was like our pal Dusty. Like that's, that was the offense. That saw, there's no excuse for what happened throwing to the middle of the field. This has been an Aaron Rodgers problem. To be fair, you are like 6'2". So like you, you are, you are how dare you? in the middle and of the so field. And so the middle, <laughs> I played tight end in eighth grade. Uh, the middle of the field is, I think, going to be a place where they attack a lot more. I want to see some post-snap RPOs, some of the RPOs that like Jalen Hurts and, and Tua just kill people with. Um, but I, I think like from a personnel standpoint, or at least from a formation standpoint, like I don't think we're going to see Jimmy Garoppolo under center 40% of snaps. Like I just don't, I just don't think that's going to be the world that they live in. That's not where Jordan Love is comfortable. He had to learn to play that way. We're going to see some of it, but I think they're going to spend plenty of time in the shotgun. I think they're going to spend a ton of time in 12 personnel a ton of time in 11 personnel, but I'm really, I'm really excited to see some of the ad adaptations. How do you use Jordan loves legs differently? He's someone that you can actually run zone read with. If you wanted to, they, they've scored against Detroit on a two point conversion on a zone read where Jordan love walks in untouched. Yeah. It is a different way that you're going to have to defend this Packers offense this year. And that makes it really interesting. Yeah. I can't wait. Uh, all right. The last Peter Bukowski specific question before we get to the personal question mm. right now, Stack the NFC North. Where are they going to finish in 2023? It seems impossible, but I want you I want to know where your head's at going into the season. All right. I think it's easier to start at the bottom because the Bears are the worst team. Great. Um, and so I'm 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 very comfortable there. I don't I don't understand the Bears hype. That's a different podcast for a different day. I'm happy to come back and we can spend a half an hour talking about why the Bears still suck. I think in fact, I think you did that show and I did that show. Um, within like a week of each other, we both Beautiful. were like, what, what are we doing here? Why, why are we doing this? Um, it gets really tough after that. It really does. I, I have to put Detroit at the top because of what we saw last year, what I think they're building there. I have a lot of faith in Dan Campbell, which is not a thing I thought I would say, Andy, right. when he was hired. But I think Ben Johnson is an awesome offensive so coordinator. Good. I think Aaron Glenn is a really good defensive coordinator. They they did more with less at the end of last season than, than frankly, Joe Barry did, like by a lot. Very true, very true. Um, and so I think that has to be the answer, but I, I think I have the Packers second right now. And, and the reason is that Vikings defense was bad last year. They got materially and significantly worse personnel wise, pushing veteran, not pushing, but like Patrick Peterson gone. Patrick Peterson was like quietly a nice player for them last year. Alvin Tomlinson is a big one too. Like yep. Dalvin Tomlinson is a, both metaphorically and literally <laughs> exactly, a big yes. one for them. Eric Kendricks is a really good football player. How many, Indeed. how many freaking swing passes and screen passes did he blow up over the last five, six years? Every the, time it, yeah, the limit does not exist. So <laughs> now he's gone. So how do you replace those guys? Well, they replace those guys with 
Yeah. I don't know. Like that's, that's the answer. And so I think the Packers defense is just objectively much better in terms of talent. Now, Brian Flores, how much can he close that gap? I don't know. Obviously the question is offensively, but the Vikings were quietly a below average offensive team last year by DVOA. Um, Justin Jefferson is incredible. You lose Dalvin cook, you lose Adam Thielen. And they weren't that much better with TJ Hawkinson. That's like the case that the Vikings fans make is like, oh, TJ Hawkinson. I looked at the EPA per play. It's like identical. Yeah. So, okay, cool. You you have a player you like. That's nice. The offense wasn't that much better. And guess what? The last time we saw these two teams play, the Packers beat the brakes off the Vikings. So that's where I have it. But I think it's close. I think all three of those teams are close at the top. And I, I don't think the Bears are that far behind, but I do think they're clearly the worst team in the NFC North. Yeah, we're in lockstep. I agree 100% with your rankings. I think I think anything could sort of happen in the NFC North, but the the Lions have the highest floor, and I think the uh, Bears have the lowest ceiling is kind of where I would put it. Yeah, so. I think that's right. All right, the last question, the personal question. Uh, you have been known to have a passionate take on mm. Twitter every now and again. Mm. What is one that maybe didn't uh, get the response that maybe you expected, but you would today defend to the death that you were a million percent right, no matter what. A passionate Twitter take, a Mm. passionate Bukowski Twitter take that you are still passionate about to this day, that you feel like everyone is wrong and you are still right about. That uh, if Americans cared about soccer, we'd be the best soccer nation in the world. I, I, you will never convince me ever in a million years that if our best athletes were playing soccer from age three, that we wouldn't just beat everyone's ass. You just, you'll never, ever, ever, ever convince me. And I just like, give me a break. And some people got mad. Like I used, I think I used Josh Allen as an example, but like Russell Westbrook as a soccer player, Chris Paul, Steph Curry as soccer players. Come on, man. Like, and, and it's not just a part of it is a numbers thing. Like a lot of people live here. And so that's part of it, but also our sports programs internationally crush we kill everybody in gold medals at the Olympics and silver medals and total medals. So like we're good at the other sports too. It's not just basketball and football and that kind of right. stuff. Like we're we killer track athletes. We have like good archery athletes or whatever. Like I just, it is what it is. The, they, 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 they'd be great. They'd be great. And I don't, people, people get precious about soccer, but relax. Here's, here's the thing that I will add on to that is like, I am insanely impressed that they are like genuine, like generally obviously make the world cup. There was the one issue, what, four years ago, whatever. Um, but make the world cup and usually get out of the group stage when they get there, they're usually in like the final 16, maybe even final eight, um, without even like soccer being in our purview, like at least in comparison to other countries. So like the fact that we are even in the conversation and win games in the world cup against some of the top teams without it being sport number one, two, three, maybe four in that range. Like to me, that just goes to show you, uh, yeah, if, if this were number one in United States, like we're at least in the competition for some final four spots. And you know what, you know how what proves it? Look at the women. Women's side. Yeah. It is, it is one of the only places where women can play high level professional sports. It's that in basketball and they, they win every year. Now they might not win this year because like, you know, there's, there's some makeup of the team issues, but that's a separate question. They, they are an incredible team. And so it, it just seems obvious to me, but. Either way, can't wait for this Soccer year's Women's World Cup. It should be a ton of fun. And I uh, can't wait to see what the Americans can do next World Cup around. Peter, amazing, amazing stuff as always. Get your plugs in. Where can we find you? Where can we follow you? Uh, Locked on Packers, of course, is the is the show. We're, we're not literally every day like you guys are. Um, 
but it's just me. So I, I don't have that. I don't have the same benefit. You get, you have the, the team, which is great. Love those guys. All those people shout out to the whole pack a day staff. Um, the leap, a newsletter I would love for you to subscribe to. Um, and we're going to go back to five days a week here coming up pretty soon. And then of course, Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski, uh, blue sky, Peter underscore Bukowski threads, Peter underscore Bukowski, all those. Amazing. Uh, you do a tremendous work. Keep up the uh, the awesome work over at Locked On. Um, I think it's we've talked about it all the time, but there's like an unlimited thirst for Packers content. And it's so cool that we can always do this and uh, help each other out. So appreciate you a ton. Make sure to follow him. You can follow the podcast at Packet A Podcast. You can follow me at Andy Herman NFL. See you right back here tomorrow for another expert series. But until next time, and as always, go Pack Go. <laughs>